Let it be known, I love my job. We have a lot of fun around here. It's good stuff. But uh, the point is, man, that when something happens, there's going to be evidence. When you're going to be able to dig deep and look and find uh, truth. You're going to be able to find, wow, okay, this shows that this actually happened. This event actually took place. And um, here's what I kind of want to illustrate as you kind of look behind me. I have kind of a chair taken apart, and it happens to be my office chair. I'm going to be out without that for the remainder of the series, apparently. But um, a lot of times in church, okay, you're asked to put your faith, or maybe not even church, but if you're talking to somebody who's a Christian, maybe you're here and you're not a Christian and you're just checking things out tonight, and, and you're, you're asked to put your faith in really just like one little piece of the chair, okay? Somebody says, oh, guess what? Jesus died on the cross for you. And it's kind of like you're supposed to just respond to that on the spot, like either yes, I believe that, or no, I don't believe that, okay? And uh, as I kind of took the chair apart here, I mean, no, none of you, like if I held this out and I said, hey, would you like a seat? Like none of you guys would be like, thanks, that's, that's great. Like none of you would put your trust in this, right? And, and what I kind of want to do over the next 10 weeks, yeah, 10 weeks, I know, I know it's like the longest series we've ever done by a long shot, um, which I love, because uh, for 10 weeks, we're going to talk about how much evidence there is, how much evidence there is to support why we're here, to support the, the idea that there's a, a, a guy named Jesus who was fully God and fully man and walked this earth and he died and he rose again and and there's, I'm actually editing. I could do more. I could have gone longer, but I figured 10 about long enough. Uh, that's going to take us to the week before Thanksgiving. So start getting that hunger feeling thing going in there. Trip the fan, all that good stuff, all right? But um, for, for 10 weeks, we're just going to take one, one piece, then another piece, then another piece. And we're going to see if we can't put this chair together and make it something substantial that you'd be able to say, you know what, I would, I would put my, my trust in that. You know? Because I think so often it's just like, oh, well, we'll look at the prophecies or, or look at this life person's, you know, their life was changed. And you kind of look at it and go, oh, all right, well, that's one like, little solitary, isolated thing. The reality is, is that when you take all the pieces and you put them together, there is enough that you and I can put our trust in it. That we can sit down and we can put all of our hope, all of our faith, all of our trust in Jesus. And so I want to just talk about how all those pieces come together. And the other side of it too, I want to just talk about is if you're a Christian here, a lot of times as we're like just going through life, whether it's school or your neighborhood or your job or whatever, you're hanging out with people and, and suddenly you, they find out you're a Christian. And what do they do? They, they attack one, one area, right? They say, oh, well, you know, come on, gosh, that whole resurrection thing, that doesn't have any historic proof. But, okay, well, what about, like, archaeological proof? And what about, like, changed lives? And what about all these other... And, and so often we, we kind of get thrown because they, they hit us on one spot. We didn't quite really know how to come back. We didn't really quite know how to explain ourselves or, or where to point them. And I hope that over this series you'll see as all the evidence comes together, as it, as it um, makes something that can support our weight, that you'll have good answers for people. Because here's the deal, and here's why this is so important. We live in a time when people are... Some are looking for truth. Others are saying there's no such thing as truth. And everyone is just talking uh, all about, well, my experience or your experience. And if your experience leads you to where you, know, you, where you want to be, then you go with that and I'll go with mine. And the reality is, is man, we, we got to find some, some evidence. We got to find some truth. We got to find something we can sink our teeth into. And so if you're not a Christian, I hope this series will, will give you some answers. I hope it'll honestly also make you question a lot. Maybe some of the things that you've just always believed. Uh, maybe some of the things you've believed about science or history or uh, evolution or, or just the, the worldview that you have. I hope that maybe it'll make you question some of that and make you dig and look for some new answers. And if you're a Christian, I just hope it gives you some, some strength to your faith. I hope you, you feel like, oh, wow, okay, it's not just one little thing. It's not just, hey, believe in Jesus. You know, check your brain at the door, believe in Jesus, and everything will go well for you, okay? It's, wow, there is 
tons and tons of evidence. And I would love nothing more than for the rest of our lives, you know, us to remember, gosh, you know, I don't remember everything that crazy ball guy on the stage said, but I do remember he did this 10 week series on how much there is to talk about if we can really trust this man and this, this man, part man, part God, fully man, fully God named Jesus. And so I, I want you to know that, that right up front, this is not to try to get you to buy into my system of beliefs. Um, I, I really don't do well when, when I don't fully believe in something. I don't know if you're, if you're like that. Um, have you ever had a friend who had a really bad idea and, they, and, you, and you had no choice but to go along with it? And like, I, I, I can't fake my way through that. You know what I mean? Like, I can't put on a face like, yeah, this is going to work. You know it's going to fail and, and you're still kind of stuck to it. Okay, I just want you to know that that's not me up here. Okay, I'm not up here like, oh man, well, this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. I don't really believe this stuff. It hasn't really done anything in my life. But you know what? I'd love to just fill the room. I'd love to get more people to come to the church. And I just want you to know, this is me. In fact, this is my story. Tonight, what you're going to hear for the next 10 weeks, what you're going to hear, it's the reason I'm a Christian. It's not just, uh, you know, oh, well, I, pe- people should know this or get this out there and we'll get that information in people's minds so they know how to answer questions. No, this is why I'm a Christian. If it wasn't for the information that I found that I'm going to be sharing over these next 10 weeks, I would have nothing to do with God. I'd have nothing to do with church. I'd want nothing to do with any of that. I would probably, you know, honestly, if I'm just talking real about myself, I would be probably the biggest atheist in the whole world, honestly, because I'm a skeptic. I'm just a natural skeptic. I'm a natural doubter. And so maybe you can relate to me, maybe you can't. But I hope that wherever you fall, Christian or not, that you'll learn something and that you'll be willing to ask questions and dig deep and look for truth, okay? Uh, I know that's like not a popular word right now, truth, right? Um, A lot of people want to say there's no such thing as truth because so many different people disagree about what it is, right? And I I just use this illustration. Uh, My wife and I, whenever we're traveling, most often we, we disagree about what the best route to take is. All the married people in the room were like, Amen. Uh, so, right, we're, 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 you know, disagreeing about the best route. And of course, she's always right. Um, the men are like, no. But uh, always, always on the way. And there was this one time, man, it's, it was actually for Adam and Lisa's wedding. We were supposed to, the, the, the ceremony was out in uh, Suffolk, and, and we were supposed to go just over the Suffolk border, just into Nassau. I mean, barely Nassau, right? And, and uh, so we're driving, and I am like so dead set, like, this is the way to go, this is the way to go. And Kelly's going, honey, we missed it. We missed it. I'll just tell you guys, just listen to your wives, okay? Because we're driving, 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 right? Eventually, right? Remember where we're supposed to be? Just over the Suffolk border in Nassau County. I'm like, honey, please tell me that's not the Empire State Building right there, right? And it totally was. We had driven pure on into the city on like 25A. I didn't know that was possible, okay? And so, right? But, but here, here's the thing, okay? Even though I was wrong, she was right. In the moment, as we were arguing, right? Neither of us looked at each other and said, well, you know what? Since we disagree, there must not be a right way to get there, right? Since there's, you know, we have all these different ideas, there's confusion, you know, you think that way, I think this way. No, we knew there was still a right way to go. I had missed it, but there was still a right way to go. And so tonight, I hope that you'll be a little bit open to talking about what that right way is. I was talking with Brendan, one of our guitarists here, and he's a smart guy, and, and we were just talking about this series. He knows a lot about science and philosophy and stuff like that. So we were just talking about this, and he said something great. And if you're not a Christian, I hope you'll take this to heart. He said, you know, if, 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 if there's even a possibility that, that this message is true, if there's a possibility that God came to earth, he was put on a cross, he died, he rose again, and he loves you more than anyone else on the planet, And he wants to set you free from all of your shame and all of your guilt. And he wants to give you hope. He wants to heal you. He wants to do all these incredible things. If there's even a possibility that's true, 
then man, wouldn't it be crazy not to at least look into it? If there's a possibility that there's a heaven and a hell, wouldn't it be crazy not to at least look into it? And so I hope over these next 10 weeks that you'll be willing to just sort of look into it with me. Now, here's where I want to go tonight. And it's an, I know a lot of people maybe would say, this doesn't belong in church. This is not where we should be talking about this. But I want to talk about the battle between the natural and the supernatural. Okay? The battle, the idea that is out there. Okay? And, and it really, there's, there's two things that go together here. All right? The idea goes like this. That many people here, and there's probably a bunch of you here in the room tonight, you believe this. You believe that the natural explains how we got here. That natural means something like evolution explains how we got here, right? Explains why we're here. And you also believe the flip side of that, okay? You believe that the supernatural is impossible, right? The, the natural works, the supernatural doesn't. The natural is the possible logical explanation, and the supernatural is illogical and downright crazy, right? And if you look through that lens, then you have no desire to look into Christianity because it all hinges on a guy being raised back from the dead, right? And, and if you look through that lens, then you say, well, we don't really need a God. You're like Darwin. You say, you know, we kind of know why we're here, so why keep looking, all right? It's, it's all explained. We, we got this, all right? And uh, I don't know if you, any of you guys here wear contact lenses. Anybody wear contact lenses here in the place? Come on, be honest. All right, Dave Mung, there you go. All right, sweet. All right cool. Contact lenses are, are made up of plastic and water, okay, mainly. And it's these two things that come together, right? People put them in their eyes, okay? And then they, that becomes the lens they view the entire world with, right? And, and, and in the same way, this idea that the natural is absolutely possible and explains why we're here, and the supernatural is impossible, are the two things that come together, and many of you guys are wearing as a lens, and you're just viewing all of life through it. That's your worldview, okay? Now, there's some of us here in the room, uh, probably a lot of us here in the room, that have a different lens, and that lens says that the natural doesn't explain how we got here. And that the supernatural is not just possible, it's something that we experience all the time. And so I want to talk a little bit about this for the next few weeks. And um, tonight, really, we're just going to talk mainly about this idea of Darwinian evolution. Okay? And um, I'm not a scientist, don't pretend to be. Okay? I know you look at me, you think I'm brilliant, I, obviously, right? Uh, that was a joke. Okay, gosh. Uh, all right? And... Um, I'm not a scientist, but tonight, here's what I basically want to do. I just want to ask the question, is there evidence? Okay, is there evidence? Now, in 35 minutes, I cannot, you know, you know go from, from one side to the other and get everything in between and try to... Basically, tonight, what we're going to do is just boil it down to three of the, of the most common evidences given for evolution. And we're just going to see if they have a leg to stand on. Now, I want to say this real quick, too, okay? Some of you guys here tonight are saying, all right... Well, I've heard that there are all different ideas about evolution out there, even among Christians. I mean, some Christians believe that God used forms of evolution and created the earth, okay? So, so there was this idea of a, of a creator still, but he used forms of evolution, all right? Um, now, if you ask me, I believe what the Bible says happened, man. Um, I believe Genesis 1 and 2, and uh, I believe that, I, I'm not sure, you know, was it, was it literally seven days that were 24 hours? I don't know. Was it thousands? Of, I don't know the answer to that one, okay? I think we'll find that out one day, right? But... I believe that that's the way it happened. But Tim Keller said something great that you got to catch, okay, as we head into this. He said that people get hung up on this whole evolution thing, right? And the reality is, is that's not even close to the central claim of Christianity. The central claim of Christianity is, like I said earlier, God coming to earth, dying, and rising again. That's what it hinges on. 
And so what he says is, you should look into that first and then go figure out what, you, what, what, what you know, logically comes and, and what you can start to learn from the Bible and other things about what happened with creation or evolution. Okay? And so that's awesome because the, the next nine weeks after tonight, as we talk a little bit about evolution and the supernatural tonight, the next nine weeks will be all about exploring that claim. How do we know Jesus died and rose again? I mean, is there really proof? I mean, if you've watched History Channel, Discovery Channel, you've seen, you know, Christianity torn apart. Is that true? All right? So that's where we're headed for these next nine weeks. But tonight, let's talk about the idea of the natural versus the supernatural. And and let me kind of illustrate something for you and see if we can help you out with something. Um, My son, Katie's six, and I just showed him Back to the Future for the first time. So epic. We just got done with the Back to the Future series, and I was just in the mood, and all the guys had done like a big movie night, and they watched them all, and it's like, Kate, we're watching Back to the Future, man. So uh, we watched Back to the Future, and he's a smart kid, so the, the whole time, he, he's just, he's like listening. He does this thing, it's really, it's funny. He like, like when he's really thinking deeply, he looks at something, and then he just moves his head like this, like, like, like what am I, what am I thinking about? Like he's, like you see the smoke coming out of his ears, you know, and so the whole movie, he's just shaking his head no, and I'm like, do you not like it? He's like, I love it, you know? Like, okay. <laughs> Uh, special child. And um, so anyway, though, I hope you've all seen the movie because uh, this is kind of important, but not really, not life changing at all. Uh, but uh, he, he says to me the other day, he says, Dad, how can there be like Doc in 1985 and then like the, the, the young Doc in I think it was 1955, right? How, how can that be, right? But there's only one Marty, right? So I'm thinking, sweet, I got this, right? I said to him, son, I said, I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to show you a little illustration. Got this from my dad. My dad will be sitting at the table, right? And he wants to tell a story. He's got the salt and pepper shakers out and he's telling us all. It's so great, right? So here you go, dad. Thanks for passing this one down, all right? I, uh, I take out a quarter and two pennies. All right. And I said, all right, the quarter represents Marty. Okay. And then the two pennies are going to represent the two docks. Okay. So you got doc, right? 1985, doc, 1955. So Marty's in 85. He's hanging out with this doc, right? He goes back to 55 and he's hanging out with the 55 doc, right? Then he goes back to the future. Okay. And he's here with this doc again, right? And Kate's just looking at this, you know, and he's like, you know, this little head thing, right? And he goes like this. He goes, but wait, isn't this doc gone? And I said, wait a minute, do you mean he's gone because this doc like actually grew up and became that doc? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, you're a genius. You know, like, I'm an idiot. You just taught me, you know? Okay. Now here's why I bring that up. Okay. Because I think for all of us, there are things that we assume are true, right? Just like me going into that whole thing. I mean, I had that thing. I was, you know, sometimes you're like, you, you just think you're so great. And in that moment, I'm like, I am the best dad. I have the best illustration. Okay. And I think, you know, going into that, I was assuming like, all right, I got this. I know this. I know what I believe. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm rock solid, you know? And in that moment, man, he just challenged me and my whole paradigm shifted. And I just wonder, would you be open to that? Would you be open to maybe your entire worldview being changed? The, the, the things you're rock solid about, being, the things that you've believed for a long time, the things you've, you know, based your career and your life on, would you be willing tonight? Because, man, if this is true, would you, would you be willing to just check it out at least? If there's a potential that there could be a God that loves you, would you at least check it out? All right, so let's talk about the natural real quick, all right? Uh, the, the question, can evolution be trusted, right? Can the evidence for evolution be trusted? Darwin said that there was no life on this planet, and then there was life, right? Darwin said that we all share a common ancestor. That's every, every living thing, okay? So trees, birds, flowers, us, we're all uh, sharing a common ancestor okay and uh he rejected the idea of a creator right said you know 
Evolution makes sense. We got it. It's logical. We understand it. Okay. So the question is, is does the evidence stand up? Like, like you kind of think, like, well, smart people believe evolution. That's just the way it seems, right? Smart people, you know, Christians, they believe in a creator because they're Christians. And right, smart people believe in evolution, right? Uh, PBS, a bunch of years back, one of my personal favorite channels. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> okay. Elmo's fun in the morning with my kids, but that's about it. Um, but uh, PBS did a seven-part series on evolution. And they basically made, well, no, they didn't basically, they did make this statement, and you guys can read along on the screen. All known scientific evidence supports Darwinian evolution, as does virtually every reputable scientist in the world. Okay, so, wow, there it is. All right, great. PBS said it. Cool. All right. Now, is that true? Well, there were 100 biologists, chemists, zoologists, physicists, and all kinds of other physicists, um, uh, professors from universities like uh, Yale and Duke and Princeton and Cambridge that said, no, wait, we, we don't believe that. And these guys are like the real deal. I mean, uh, this isn't like Doug Jansen, you know, graduated from Nyack College with a youth ministry degree, you know, and is now a pastor at a church. Like, this is like really smart guys, okay? And this is what they had to say, and you can read along. We're skeptical of claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. And that's what I'm asking you to be open to tonight. If you're a Christian, I hope that this will strengthen your faith. I hope that it will give you some good answers for friends that might be questioning. But if you're not a Christian, would you be willing to check out the evidence? And I hope that you'll go beyond tonight, okay? But what I want to do is just throw you, show you three examples that are commonly used to support Darwinian evolution. And we're just going to ask, does, does it stand up? And we're going to just answer three questions. The first question is, all right, well, was Darwin White right that, that something can come out of nothing? Okay, that there was no life on this planet and then there was life. The second question is, do we all have a common ancestor? And the third is, is it true that we evolved from, from apes? And is there evidence for this, okay? And so the first evidence is this, that's presented often, okay? It's the Miller experiment, all right? Uh, Miller, in 1953, uh, he thought he'd figured out what the atmosphere was like on primitive Earth. Well, then you've got to go, well, how did primitive Earth get there? But that's a whole different thing, I guess, right? But, uh, so Miller, here he is. Hey there, buddy. Uh, he's... Uh, he uh, takes electricity and he charges that atmosphere, okay? He charges uh, with the right gases and all the things he had, you know, come up with the idea that, that, you know, there was evidence for this. And he charges the atmosphere and guess what happens? Amino acids are formed, the building blocks of life. And everyone's blown away, okay? 1953, my gosh, Darwin had it right. This is incredible. Something out of nothing. All it would have taken is like, you know, lightning through that atmosphere and you would have had amino acids and they would have, you know, become us, you know, Okay? And so Miller does this experiment. Everybody's blown away and amazed, all right? The problem is 10 years later, his own colleagues started calling him out and saying, uh, we don't think you're right about that. I mean, first of all, you know, it's been said that even if there were a primitive earth, no one can honestly know what the atmosphere would have been like. But, but they believe that with the, with the atmosphere that, that uh, they believe was there, if you charge that with electricity, you'd actually get... Uh, formaldehyde and cyanide, which apart from a chemist, altering them are highly lethal. They don't give life, but they take life. And if you actually use these two together, they actually make embalming fluid, which is kind of ironic. So on one hand, you have life, and on the other hand, you have death. Isn't that interesting? 
And so you're going, all right, cool. So they disproved that Miller, you know, his theory wasn't right, okay? Even 1995, Science Magazine uh, put out an article that said, you know, we don't think Miller was right. We totally uh, disagree with him. But you know what? The reason I'm bringing this up tonight, and I'm, I'm saying that it's something that's claimed uh, over and over again to support evolution, is that um, this is still taught in our schools. Like Miller's experiment is still found in biology books. And it's, I mean, I, I've talked with one uh, one student, uh, John, who said that he had a professor once that said something about it being iffy. But uh, for the most part, this is just put out there as evidence. Like, look, look at Miller's experiment. Look what happened. And so he asked the question, well, did Miller's experiment show that something could come out of nothing? And you come back with the answer, no. The second evidence is Heckel's drawings. And this is often described as the best evidence for Darwinism, okay? And what he did was he drew embryos, okay, here they are. It kind of gets cut off in the top there, which is sort of the most important part, which thing, sorry about that. But he drew embryos in three different stages. If you start on the top, you see how they all look very similar, right? Then they start to change, and then they change even more, okay? Basically, what this is, is all different animals. Say this is a fish, say this is a tortoise, a pig, okay, and down to a human, right? What he did was he said... Look, look how similar at the first stage of development the embryos look, right? So that's the first stage, second stage, third stage, according to Heckel, right? So everyone's going, oh my gosh, he's so right. And again, this is some of the best evidence given in support of Darwinism, that these embryos show we all have a common ancestor because in that first stage of development, we all look so much alike, all right? The problem is his colleagues started calling him out and said, you know what? We think you faked it. We think you messed with it. We think that's not right. And here is a picture of actual, well, his drawings, initial drawings, fish, salamander, turtle, chicken, rabbit, human. And they all look almost identical, right? Here are real embryos. You can see the incredible difference. And the truth came out that he had actually faked them, that he had um, drawn, uh, drawn them off from the same woodcut, all right, because he was so sure of his theory that he didn't believe he had to make separate woodcuts, and he just made one and kept going with it. And then he actually went on. You can just Google this. I mean, I'm not making this up, right? Uh, He went on to actually add organs to some and remove organs from others, okay? And he also, as you can see in the top there, he depicted all of them as if they were on the same scale, right? And on the bottom, you can see that there's different shapes and sizes. Um, If that weren't enough, okay, uh, the the second problem that, that you have with Heckel's drawings um, is that he used embryos, okay, of animals that would look most alike. Like, just think about all the possibilities of embryos that he could have chosen from, right? Okay, he could have done snakes and bears and all, right? all kinds of stuff, okay? Well, he excluded the ones that looked most different, and he included the ones that looked most similar, okay? And the third thing that's a problem with this, and this is a pretty big deal, is that basically what he did was, uh, remember on that first picture, actually, Keeks, put up the first picture again, um, so here's the three stages of development, right? And he said he drew the first stage to make them look the most similar, right? And, and that was like the big deal. Like, oh my gosh, look how similar they look right at the beginning of their existence. It's, it shows so clearly a common ancestor, right? But the reality was, is as they looked into it, they found that Heckel hadn't drawn the first stage. He'd actually drawn the second stage. And there's this idea with embryologists, they call it the development hourglass, okay? Well, in the first stage of an embryonic uh, development, the, they look very, very different, okay? Like you'd never mistake them, all right? Like that other slide that we had up a minute ago, that was the drawings of the first stage, and they look so different. Toward the second stage, they start to look a little bit more alike, but not anywhere near where Hackle exaggerated them to be. And by the third stage, they look totally different again, 
Okay? And what Heckel had done was he had drawn the second stage and said it was the first. And so you have all these issues. And again, you guys are sitting here going, okay, great, great. Information, information, information. I can't even say it. Uh, who cares, right? Who cares? Well, this is the reason this is so upsetting. You'll still find this in upper division evolutionary biology textbooks. And it was the 1860s he was called out by his colleagues. Since the 1860s, we've known this isn't true. But it's still being taught in our schools. And so you look at Heckel's drawings and you go, all right. Does this prove we have a common ancestor? And the answer is no. So let's look at the third thing. And this is the missing link. If you've seen a Geico commercial, you know the missing link, all right? Got him up there. We got uh, ah, Neanderthal. There he is. Okay, he's coming up. Makes me want to buy car insurance every time I see this thing, man. All right? Um, In 1856, there were some bones discovered by a scientist, right? And they were uh, kind of odd looking. And so... They basically said, wow, this is it. This is the missing link. We have found him. We, we know the step between apes and us, right? That's, that's what that missing link idea is, okay? And so they, I mean, all over the world, they start getting Neanderthal going, everything, you know? He's got his little skull there, you know? Pretty epic, right? Um, but it, it's funny because, I mean, think about it. It's the 1800s, right? Do you think that they had technology where they could, you know, look at the bones and discover if that's would he look like if he had the hair, if he had like the ape-like hair, you know? And so uh, as time went on and recent DNA testing came about, they actually discovered that he's fully human and that he had osteoarthritis. Okay? <laughs> Poor dude. <laughs> and he was known all around the world as Neanderthal. And, and a whole generation grew up going, man, evolution is true. There's the missing link. Another one in the 1800s was Java Man. Uh, and Java Man, there he is. And this is so interesting, okay? All they found was a skull cap, a thigh bone, and three teeth. And they created Java Man. All right? Seriously, right? And again, there's no way you can test the bones to find out if you looked like that, if you had that kind of hair, if there would have been hair all over his body and stuff, right? And, and Java Man, again, you can, you can actually go to the museum in New York City, 60 miles from here, and you can see Java Man. Okay? And you can see what it says about evolution. All right? The reality is, they discovered, as time went on, that the skull and the thigh bone didn't even belong to the same person. That the skull bone was fully human. And they just... And uh, I got to find this right. I want to get this right. A 342-page scientific report done by evolutionists showed that Java Man had no business uh, in trying to prove evolution at all. So you look at the, the, the missing link and you go, man, is there evidence? Does, does this show that we come from apes? And the answer, again, is no. Now, did I just disprove evolution? No. Right? I didn't. Okay? I didn't disprove evolution. But we did look at three of the most commonly used claims. Some of the ones that are in the textbooks. Some of the ones that are in the museums. And we saw that they just don't stand up. They just don't have the evidence. And the question comes, why are they still in textbooks? Why is Java Man still hanging out in the museum? Right? What is going on with that? And the answer that I found as I dug around, as I looked, as I just, all right, I want to know what's going on here. And I want you to know, I don't just like study like Christian stuff and like, like I'm on all kinds of websites, okay? And reading all kinds of books and all kinds of stuff. I'm not just trying to get the Christian response, okay? And, and the answers come from both Christians and non-Christians that this is the attitude. Evolution must be true. So now let's find the evidence. Evolution must be true. So now we'll find the evidence. And you know what? Java man didn't work out. Neanderthal didn't work out. But you know, if we keep hanging on, we'll find that evidence. Because we're so sure it's true. 
Okay? Why are they so sure it's true? Because they can't get their minds to go to the supernatural. As long as they're saying the natural is the only thing that makes sense, they're going to keep on looking, keep on looking, keep on looking, and keep on coming up short. Um, Molecular and cell biologist Jonathan Wells says this. Check this out on the screen. The attitude is that life had to have developed this way because there's no other materialistic explanation. And so we've seen here that these evidences that are, are thrown around so often don't prove what they claim to prove. And so where do you go then, right? Origin of life expert William Bradley says this. Check it out. If there isn't a natural explanation and there doesn't seem to be the potential of finding one, then I believe it's appropriate to look at a supernatural explanation. And so now I want to talk about the supernatural for a few minutes. And you know what I could do? I could go, all right, I'm going to you know, study up on my Louis Giglio DVD, all right? And I'm going to see you know, all the stuff from the Alive Talks and the Indescribable Talks. Some of you guys have seen those. You know how amazing they are. And I'll give you all these incredible statistics, and you'll just blow your mind. You'll go, wow, man, that, there must be a creator. But you know what? To me, I'm not putting Louis down. I love the boy. I wish we could have lunch again, like, like, like we ever did. Okay. Um, and um, I did talk to him once. That was cool. Uh, but that keeps it out there. You know? Like, like if, I, if I start telling you how many cells are in your body and all this kind of... Right? It keeps it out. Whoa, man, it's just big. It's just... I can't even, like, grab a hold of that. And so what I want to do, just for a few minutes, is talk about how we've experienced the supernatural here in this room. Like, how God's done real things as we've prayed, as we've looked to Him. And I think there's no better proof for what God can do than to just start to look around at the people sitting around you and, man, why, like, why are these people here? Like, why are they wasting their Sunday night? I mean, great band. Whew. Cool light show, but what's with the singing? What's with the raising their hands? Why, why do they listen to this guy talk for so long? And I think the only answer that comes back is, man, God's must... He must have done something in our lives. He's, he's had to have shown himself, okay? And so just real quick, I'll, I'll just show you a couple examples, and I, I really could go on all night. I won't. I could go on all night of ways that we have seen God show up, even as we've prayed here in this room. And some of these might kind of, at first, be like, wow, that's kind of weird. I don't get that, okay? And here, here's what I'll say this, and I don't want anybody to laugh because I'm not poking fun at this, honestly, all right? But as I tell these stories, and some of you guys are weirded out, going, wait a minute, that's weird, man. I don't know about that one. But that's just real weird. I'll just ask you this question. And seriously, this is not a joke, okay? Is it weirder? Seriously, is the idea of God doing a miracle here in this place while we're gathered together, is it weirder? Is it stranger than the idea that you came from an ape? Is it stranger than the idea that you're a distant relative of a tree? And just think about that. A lot of people get weirded out. Oh, man, God, God. I think that's pretty weird, man. I think thinking about coming from an ape is kind of weird. In fact, I'll say this before I jump into the supernatural section. If you come here tonight and you believe in evolution, I hope, first of all, that I'm not putting you down. I'm no better than you. And this is just stuff that I've just, you know, God's shown me. And I don't say that even like, oh, he showed me. Like, like I just says, I've searched for God. These are things that I've, I've learned and, and seen. But man, if you believe in evolution, you say, I'm not a person of faith. I'll just tell you, you're a person of great faith. I was reading Christopher Hitchens' book. He's an anti-theist. He's not just an atheist. He had to take it to the next level and uh, go anti-theist. And he hates God. The name of his book is Why, uh, Why, or the subtitle is Why Religion Poisons Everything, okay? And um, as I was reading it, he had no issue, no, no problem at all, 
um, ripping apart Christianity. I mean, just, you know, just pulling apart this, that. And he made so many, like, you know, generalizations that weren't true and weren't right. Okay. But as, as you're reading this book, I'm just thinking about this guy who, on the one hand, is looking at an event that, that we believe took place 2,000 years ago. Right? And he, in the same breath as he's, as he's saying, ah, there's no evidence for Christianity, looks, and he, in the same breath, he'll say a sentence like this, 60 to 70,000 years ago, when evolution was completed with us, right? And then so on and so forth, right? So, okay, you're having trouble with 2,000 years ago, a man dying on a cross, rising again, God coming to rescue people. But you're willing to go 58, 68,000 years before that and have total faith that we just came from nothing. That's faith. Honestly, that's bigger faith than I have. And so as we talk about these things, don't be weirded out. Uh, And let me say this too. Uh, Have people screwed this up big time? Like, have you watched TV and seen some psycho pushing people over and doing all kinds of crazy stuff on TV? And and, uh, that makes me nauseous, just so you know that. Okay? I don't like that. I don't think that's of God. All right? So that's not what I'm talking about here. I'll just give you some examples. Um, One morning we're, we're having church and... Uh, during the service, one of the pastors on staff just just really felt like I was impressing on his heart. There was somebody in the room, and, and we're a small church. I mean, it's not like there's thousands of people in a stadium like, yes, uh, someone's wearing jeans in here, you know, like some generalization, right? Okay, it was, it was just, uh, you know, a small crowd of us, and, and our, one of the pastors, he just said, you know, I really feel like there's somebody in here that's really suffering from horrible jaw pain, and I just really believe God wants to hear. Just said it like that. That was it. We didn't pray for anybody. And there was a woman named Judy sitting a few rows back, probably 60 people here on a Sunday morning. And she goes, she, she, she says to herself, man, I would love for God to heal me today. Because she has TMJ and she could hardly open her jaw. Couldn't eat, could hardly talk. And in the moment, she said, God, just heal me, just touch me. And in the moment, man, her jaw was healed. She came back a few weeks later. She was like kind of testing it out, making sure like she couldn't just magically open her jaw and then it went back or anything like that. But she came a few weeks later and she said, that was me. And ever since then, I've been totally fine. She was about to schedule surgery and was totally healed and didn't need it. Just an awesome God, just doing supernatural stuff, doing real awesome things. Um, my aunt, she's in the back of the room there. She'll be up, probably sitting right over there. So if you want to talk with her and verify this, she's an awesome, awesome woman of God. And um, she's on our prayer team. And uh, one night she came to Collision and we were just, the band was just playing, just doing their thing. And she suddenly just began to feel like, like something, and was, again, it sounds funny, but is it, is it weirder than coming from monkeys? I, I don't think so, okay? Um, she started to feel like something was going on in her body, and, and she's had a whole bunch of health issues and stuff, and she just began to pray and say, God, like, like, what's going on? Again, just calm, cool, no screaming, no yelling, no running around, just quiet to herself. She told me all this afterwards. And she comes back to me, and, and she says, man, I was just over there, and I just asked God, you know, like, what was going on? And she felt like God said back, like, I'm, I'm healing you, I'm restoring you. And she had had, at that point, uh, all kinds of chemo because of cancer and stuff. And her entire immune system was destroyed. Her white blood cells were all screwed up and everything, okay? She had already had an appointment scheduled for the next day to go, like even before any of this happened. So she walks into her appointment. The doctor tests her blood, and the jaw drops. And she goes, your blood's perfect. Your blood's perfect. No fanfare, no running around and screaming and yelling. Just, just God showing up and doing something that only he could do. She was told that her blood... Her blood would never regulate. It would never be right again. And just in that moment, God just showed up and did his thing. Um, we've had just some really cool things even. I know, you know, some of you guys will be like, oh, it's weird to think about like God, you know, giving people messages to speak to other people or whatever. Um, but we've had just some real awesome things where, where God will just speak through somebody in a powerful way. Like um, we had a guy praying for my, myself and Kelly 
uh, when, when she was first pregnant with our six-year-old, Back to the Future guy there, and um, he was just praying for us, and just he just, all of a sudden, in the middle of his prayer, he stopped, and he literally said, I don't know why I'm saying this. He's like, but I just want you to know, everything's going to be okay. No matter what the doctors say, no matter what happens, everything is going to be all right. And that freaked us out, honestly, in the minute. We're like, well, what does that mean? You know, like, and honestly, we were upset, and we left really upset that day. Well, about a month later, Kelly ends up going into the doctor, and we find out that my son, Kate has stopped growing, that they're saying his heart's enlarged, that they're saying uh, there's issues with the umbilical cord, the blood's not flowing through it. And through that entire time, man, um, we had no idea what was going to happen, just praying, God, just protect this baby, protect this baby. And uh, as I told you, he's six years old now, uh, and the doctor asked us recently, what, whatever happened with that, with that baby? You know, what, like, is it, what, what are his health issues? There's none. There's none. Everything was totally, totally fine. And God showed up in that moment and just gave us the peace that we needed. And I'll tell you this, that happens every single Sunday night as the prayer team comes up here. And people come up for prayer. God's supernaturally moving. And again, if you guys have been here, you know, it's not a big fanfare. There's not a bunch of craziness and out of orderness and you know, out of control stuff going on. It's just calm and it's quiet and it's connecting with God. And people leave here week after week going, how did you know what I was going? I haven't told a soul. And God just led that prayer time. Now, some of you guys are, are skeptics like me. Super skeptic right here, okay? And so I want to read a few verses as we close here. Because there's some of you going, ah, this is just a bunch of garbage. You're, like, you're looking at your friend that brought you like, why did we come here? You know, all right? Read with me John 20, verse 19. Jesus has, has been crucified, and, and the claim is that he's been risen again. And John twenty nineteen says, On the evening of that first day of that week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He had had nails uh, through his hands and a sword in his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And here's this bald guy on the stage going, I've seen God do real stuff. And your friend sitting next to you saying, God changed my life. He does real stuff. He'll show up on your life and do incredible things you can't imagine. And your response is probably a lot like Thomas's, okay? But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. And some of you, that's exactly where you are tonight. Doug, that's great. You think, you know, somebody got healed. You think God protected your baby and showed you that everything was going to be all right. You think, you know, all these different things. But you know what? I don't buy it until I see it. And my response to you is exactly what these guys see here. In verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Guys, I'm Thomas. You know, everybody always says, you know, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be Peter. You know, I'm loud, I'm obnoxious. And I'm like, yeah, you really are, you know, <laughs> right? But I'd be Thomas. I'd be the guy going, yeah, right. I don't believe that until I see it. And God is so merciful. Jesus is so merciful. Because when Thomas comes to him with all of his doubt, Jesus doesn't look back at him and say, you loser, why didn't you believe? You, even some of your closest friends saw me and they told you I'm alive. Why didn't you believe? He just goes, here I am. You want to see if I'm here? You, you touch the nails. 
you touch that spot in my side where they put that sword. And that's my story. It's my story of, of growing up with great Christian parents and going to college and taking a world religions class and taking psychology classes and the philosophy classes and going, man, I don't know what's true anymore. And it's my story to look for God with all my heart and to not have him look back at me and go, you loser, why didn't you believe? You had great parents, you had a great upbringing, you had a great church experience, why didn't you believe? It's my experience. They just said, look, I'm here. Just search for me, search for me, look with all your heart. You keep digging, Doug, because you're going to find the truth. I'm just emotional because I'm Thomas, man. And over and over again, God has shown me himself. And he will do that for you. You need evidence. You do. Not because I said it, not because your friend said it, but you need to be willing to look for Jesus to see, is the supernatural possible? Begin to look through those of you guys that are struggling. Man, I don't know about evolution and science and Man, dig deep. Just keep going. Somebody once said, you can't dig deep enough. You can't dig too deep. Because as you look for truth, as you unpeel the layers, you're going to find truth. Those of you guys that are trying to figure out, is Jesus really God? Did he really die? Did he really rise again? Don't stop looking. Don't stop questioning. Keep digging. Because every time you look, you'll find an answer. Doesn't mean there's not times where you struggle. Do I wish Jesus was here today? And I go, just here he is, guys. Just believe. Yeah. And for the next nine weeks, we're going to talk about all the evidence. And my hope for you is that you would just be willing to look. You'd just be willing to search. You'd be willing to ask questions. You'd be willing to maybe come back next week and say, man, is there something to this? For me, as I looked through all the evidence and the science and the evolution and all the things I couldn't explain in life, I decided there's a God. There's got to be. I don't know who he is, but there's a God. Maybe he's Buddha, maybe he's Allah, maybe it's me and I'm supposed to become enlightened and I don't know who he is. But next week we're going to explore that. Who is he? How does Jesus line up with Buddha and Allah and the God of the Jews? Why him? Why Jesus? And I'll give you the answer tonight, and you can come back next week and find out why. But as I looked, the only place I found truth and power was Jesus. The only place I found evidence that said, man, all this coming together, I will put my life in that. I will sit down, and that can hold the weight of my eternity. And so some of you guys here tonight might still be skeptical, and I totally get that. I probably would be too. But there's nine more weeks. You can come back and keep digging. And if you're not into that, I just say dig yourself. Look hard. Because, man, I believe as you look and as you uncover layer after layer, you're going to find a God that is in love with you. And so tonight I'll just leave you with this. The evidence points to God. The evidence points to God. And so look for him. Where's your hope? If you're a person of faith, and you are, is your faith in the right place? As the evidence points to God. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for being patient with a guy like me. I thank you for over and over again showing me who you are. And I just pray for the people in this room. God, some of them that are Christians that, that just need a fresh experience with you. That God, you would do that in their life. 
And I pray for people in this room that might not be Christians at all. And I pray, God, that you would show them who you are and that there would be something in them that would look passionately for you. If you're a Christian, would you just begin praying for people that you know that don't have a relationship with God? Would you begin praying for people that you care about and don't believe like you do, that haven't seen the evidence you've seen? Would you pray God would use you in their lives with these answers? And if you're not a Christian, could I just ask you to look? Some of you guys are at the skeptical stage, and that's totally cool. And I just say, just dig, just look. If there's even a possibility this is true, wouldn't it be crazy to spend a life and an eternity apart from a God who is so in love with you? And maybe tonight you'd even be willing to go out there on a limb and and say, God, if you're there, would you just show yourself to me? And if you're not a Christian tonight and you can't explain it, but you know God's doing something in you right now. Maybe you want to take a step tonight, and I've, I've been talking about a relationship with Jesus, and I've been talking about a God who loves you and wants to remove your sin and free you. And then you can just pray a prayer, just simply something like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again. Help me to see more and more the evidence that you're there. Help me to grow in this relationship with you, to love you, to live for you. I thank you for this gift of salvation. In your name, amen.